There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Big Gym Show is sponsored by Maul and Brawl. Maul and Brawl is the best men's skin and beard care products on the market right now. Maybe. How do I know? Because it's mine. 100% owned by me. Tried and tested by me. Whether you've been mauling in the office or brawling in your bed, Maul and Brawl is for you. We've got a shower gel which is scented dark honey and tobacco. The moisturiser has a scent of ivory musk and the beard oil will make your beard feel smooth and silky and smelling like whiskey. It comes in three packages. The Simple Man, which is the shower gel. The Modern Man, which is the shower gel and the moisturiser. Or the Caveman, which is the shower gel, moisturiser and beard oil. To order, go to maulandbrawl.com and type in the code BIGGYM10 for 10% off. Maul and Brawl. For men, that maul. Big Jim is wearing his heels. So we're kind of missing out on a whole segment of the fan base. Yeah. Not because the sport's crap, but because we haven't talked to, go to them in the right way at the right time. Just give one one platform for people to get behind and we will grow. We will grow the audience. And internationally, no question that can happen, you know, within the next cycle. Um, domestically though, it's a bit trickier because of the money. And some would say it also I guess characterise me as being pushy to get there quicker. And that's because when I took over the business, it was making £10 million a year. So <laughs> it, it's now making four times that. On this episode, I'm joined by the CEO of the United Rugby Championship, Martin and I. Take a position on stuff, right? Mm. I think, which is what you guys do. You know, I think the worst thing you could do is just sort of be vanilla and bland. And that that's actually one of the dangers for the game is falling between multiple stools, trying to please everybody. Uh, I think you've got to, you know, as a game, we have to be clear. The player's safety is the most important thing. But we can't dumb it down either. We can't make it bland. Because if we do that, actually trying to solve one problem over here we'll create another over there uh, and people will go and find something else that isn't vanilla and all the all the podcasts that you talked about they don't sit on the fence do mm. they people like that people like a clear opinion on stuff and you can argue it either way yeah that's great we're rolling into this conversation hey, like we're live we're rolling we're good I to didn't go, even which is great <laughs> okay. that's perfect but it's great to have you in the studio because you. you are ceo yes of it's a big the, title isn't yeah it? it's a great title CEO, important. You're the boss. Talk about imposter syndrome. I just, I prefer calling it chief executive officer. Mm. CEO sounds like boss baby a bit. Yeah. 
I don't know. I just feel like maybe I don't know. You're the chief. You're the chief of the United Rugby Championship. That's you it. are. You are. Yeah. yeah. United Rugby Championship's a bit of a mouthful. And then you put the BKT <laughs> when we're trying to give player so of the match. Commercialising rugby for terrible that as well. But yeah. the URC is in a good spot. We're in a good spot. Yeah, yeah. We've had so we're in the semi-finals this week. Mm. Um, ticket sales going well. Uh, obviously, we can't script these things, but we're in Dublin for Leinster Munster. I think we've gone through 20,000 tickets sold already for that, which is good. Over that, I think almost 30,000 for Cape Town for Stormers versus Connacht. So, yeah, going well at the business end. It's a bit weird this year because uh, normally we'd have three to four weeks at the end of the season, which sort of what we call clear run. Because it's Rugby World Cup year, we're having sort of staccato in between uh, the Champions Cup and Challenge Cup. So it's it's new ground for us to sort of be in in this uh in, in this sort of model but um it's going it's going well so far yeah, yeah. i mean we we had a conversation i think maybe a couple of years ago mm. when it got going what was it called the the, the one that was during covid where the, rainbow cut we had a rainbow we had a, cut yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so it took a while to get going that was August, didn't it? Yeah. yeah so we've gone sort of different iterations uh pro 12 we were the guinness pro 12 and then we had Two South African teams, we brought the Cheetahs in and the Southern Kings, if you remember them. And then through COVID, they swapped out and we brought in the big four boys from, from South Africa and we created the URC. So, uh, and I've been there eight years. Mm. So throughout that time, sort of been called three, four different things. We're kind of ha- we're very comfortable where we are now at URC and all those different metrics that we're trying to follow and, you know, is it going well or is it not? seem to be tracking in the right way you know it's um early days yeah it's sort of season two but everything's going well it yeah. looks good like and yeah do you uh, like the way it's sort of yeah I presented yeah i wasn't too sure okay at the beginning and there's a couple of things that not annoy me but the difficulties and we can maybe talk about them i, I was all for the south african teams and it yeah. feels like there is a precursor to them yeah being more engaged and more a part of they're North, pretty, they want it. Six so. Asia, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, of course I mean, you mean at international level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you can feel yeah. that it's, it's going in that direction and we can talk about the Champions Cup and how that's changed. Yeah. But it does feel right now, I think for me, there's still a few structural things that we can maybe yeah. talk about. I find it quite confusing. Look, I, fi- I find the structure quite confusing. Okay. Like even, I, if I had to explain it now, I know I'd get it wrong. So if I'm <laughs> commentating or if I'm working at the game, I'd need to have the notes there of the formats of the kind of little leagues. Yeah, yeah the shields within the the league and how they're played then at christmas there's local derbies and stuff like that <laughs> just very simply you play everybody at least once okay home or away and then you play your geographical teams home and away okay that's it but the difficulty with that is obviously you only have two italian teams mm. and two south african uh, two scottish teams and so they play each other as if they were geographically maybe it's that maybe it's that bit yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I'm I think it's Edinburgh, that bit the I think it's that bit. bit and then we have a quarter final which is one versus eight uh, semi-final final uh, we used to have a destination final we moved away from that and kind of thankfully we did because you know we get to the highest qualified team gets the final and that kind of makes sure that you've got a really good semi-finals and, and final from an attendance point of view and kind of rewards teams f- throughout the season right? got, and I think any, any competition you're trying to look for jeopardy and you know to get two away wins in the quarterfinals was, was pretty pleasing so I think I think we're getting there I do, I do. I think we obviously there's structurally some things we still need to improve towards the bottom end of the table, like mid to top end of the table, you know, which is terrible for logistics and for operations purposes. Um, you you really didn't know where people were going to play from one week to another, and mm. so that's 
good from a Jeopardy point of view, a bit tricky sometimes from a logistics point of view, but we'll take Jeopardy over logistics, I think. Yeah, I think it's like every sport, right? Getting to this point at the business end of the season, like we've just seen, like this is going to come out after the semi-finals have played. Yeah. But getting to that point of the knockout games, quarterfinals, seeing Connacht beat Ulster, yeah. seeing Munster beat Glasgow, getting to that point, it just feels like a long slog getting to that point. Yeah, yeah. And that's just the season, I think. You know, we we got to do better job telling a story we talked about narrative in in or, or, you know in the green room is it the green yeah, room? The yeah, green room. Green room. yeah. yeah. this is Spotify, yeah um and we talk about narrative being really important throughout the course of the season and every game counts and we talked about also i think our kind of co-passion for american sports and the any given sunday which is an american nfl phrase traditionally play on sundays any given sunday one team can beat another and and those are sort of sort of the core tenets that we're trying to build into the URC. Trying to say, on any one occasion, can one team beat another? And in the quarterfinals, we found that we had two away wins, which are pretty uncommon away wins in the quarterfinals. And last year, if you remember, Leinster, who I think are the best team in club rugby in the world, genuinely. But any day somebody can beat them and last year the Bulls beat them in Dublin right so and how know. was that received because I was going to ask about that because um, it was a bit of a shock right it was a shock because a lot of people thought Leinster Stormers just because it was, it was, of the history of the two teams I think it's sort of may, maybe and I, I see the positives in this but this is this is where the Jeopardy bit really bites to a certain degree right so I had, we had a team out in South Africa watching Manny Libok kick, kick a goal from, from the sideline to beat Ulster and at that point we could have either well a day before that, we thought we were either going to be in Leinster, we could be in Belfast, or we could be in Cape Town. So we had to keep the two teams, as in operations teams, behind the scenes teams, in two locations. And it wasn't until that very last kick of the second game we knew it was going to be in Cape Town, and we had five days to turn it around, not in Belfast. Mm. And so, you know, to, to your listeners, they probably think, well, you know, what's the difference? But like to to put an event on a fifty thousand seat stadium in five days is it's tough, mm. <laughs> uh, but we did well, and we we sold out. We sold out all the tickets available because at, at that point they still had a COVID limitation, and we sold thirty thousand tickets in two days. Surely, if you had a longer run in, and we had Andy yeah. friend on the rugby yeah. pod, he he was what, what, a legend. what a brilliant, yeah, what a yeah, legend, yeah, 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 what a brilliant. And I'm, guy. I'm actually really happy for him because he's he's getting some sec- success towards the end here of his time in the URC. Mm. That he thoroughly deserves, right? Um, it's brilliant. Yeah, and you, like anyone who listened to him, you could—I mean, he's called Andy Friend, but yeah, it, well, you could you yeah. could say for a reason <laughs> yeah, as well, yeah. whether or not he's given himself that. But real friendly, open, well-travelled yeah, bloke. Yeah. Uh, but we asked him the difficult question yeah. around, like, how do you turn a team around to go to South Africa? And I suppose that's one of the complexities that yeah. you'll be working through logistically, mm-hmm. administratively, getting as many fans because I mean. The Connacht fans, bless them, well, yeah, they're, yeah. they're not going to. So I, I don't know how you change that structurally. It's probably near on impossible, isn't it? Unless you had two or three weeks off between yeah. knockout this, games, which you won't have. Well, this this year, and I guess this is quite a good test case, we will have a week off between, because obviously the Champions Cup final is on the Saturday prior to our final. So we, we will have effectively two weeks to build the event, which will be a lot easier for us. But... Um, now you've hit on a really good point that structurally around the league, the away fan section, you know, that, that's one of the challenges we're still trying to solve, trying to put together packages and, and the travel element generally, trying to put fan travel together 
you know, I think there was a Munster team going down. Um, again, actually, it might have even been in Pro 14 times against the Cheetahs. And I was in a hotel in Bloemfontein, which is not an easy place to get to, uh, with sort of 400 um, Munster fans, right? So actually, if we boil down, you know, are there 400 Glasgow fans going to, um, you know, at the weekend in Scarlets? I'm not sure. You know, so even intra-UK... Um, are you getting that away fan travel? I'm not sure. And maybe that's not even the big point in all this mm. because, uh, you, again, if you look at American sports, I don't imagine they're on the road traveling across following the NBA every, no. th- every three or four days. So this maybe that. You, no, you're right. I, we, we were kind of, when, when we put this together, we were thinking of the NFL and, and American sports and kind of the long distance travel that they're having to do. And the fact is, they build their attendance on local audience, not the away, not the away fans. But it's still something we want to encourage because even, I say even, 200, 300, 400 people in a stadium can make some noise, right? Mm. And so you still, I think we still want to encourage that where possible. I suppose more from the players, what Andy Friend was saying. Like travel for me, yeah, even, yeah. when I was a player, even travelling to France, I would yeah. you know, even play in a Six Nations game. If I travelled the day before, that's my excuse for being shit no. on the day of the you game. You went shit. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think you're right. The, the rationale is we're, we're having a breakfast with the South African Rugby Union guys this morning about how, how is it going? And the one area which we all need to improve is travel. Yeah. And so, so just, just fundamentally, we don't pay for South African teams to travel. That's South African Rugby Union does that. But you can't really say it's their problem. It's our, it's our problem we've got to try and fix. Um, and we're spending a lot of money collectively on, on buying tickets down to and from South Africa. So I think we're working really hard to try and centralise all that and go to the likes of Qatar Airways or whoever it might be and say, you know, give us a, a better deal. Yeah, what we really want is about 20 seats in business class and the rest in, in a kind of premium economy. That, that is a sort of a standard play and we think we can get there. But we, I think we've just got to try harder, if I'm honest. Well, and it's all new. It's all new and that, that is definitely the one area where we need to solve for. You can't ask big people, certainly, to, to, to do that. And, and we are aware of that. We're trying to fix it quickly. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So the South African team's coming in. Big positive? Massive positive. I love the South Africans. I mean, generally, I think. Oh, um, me too. You know, and I, I look at it like a sporting equity point. Is it fair, inverted commas, I'm not saying people are saying it's unfair, but is it fair that 300 South Africans you know, were applying their trade in Japan, England, France, and ultimately then they weren't allowed in 
inverted commas, to a European Cup. I just think that would have been completely inequitable. Rightly, they said, well, yeah, they should qualify through the URC. They can't just qualify in the first year, which they did. They won it. <laughs> uh, well, they contested the final, you know, Stormers, Bulls. And then our largest crowd of the year uh, in Champions Cup, What? guess what, was in South Africa. Oh, was it? Yeah. So it was a record attendance in Cape Town. Mm. So... I think they more than stood up to the to the side of the bargain, right? And actually, it's just different. It's not. It's okay. It's no longer the European Cup. It's the Champions Cup. Has that subtly changed? Or, or I mean, no one's come out and said. Obviously, it, yeah. it has changed, but no one's officially come out and said you can't I'm call not, it the European Cup yeah, anymore. I'm not or sure. No, do you remember we had Russia in there as well? Mm. I, I remember actually talking about Andy Friend pr- prior to that was Pat Lamb, and um, or he might have been one before Pat. Yeah, you know what I mean. Previously, Pat Lamb was was Connacht uh, head coach, who won our league, which was amazing. That was a 2015, 2016 season. It was like Leicester City won the Premier League and Connacht won Mm. our league and then beat Leinster in the final in in Edinburgh. Unbelievable. But they had gone to Krasniask as part of the Challenge Cup Mm. and then, you know, spent 35 hours trying to get back from Russia. So I think we sort of, we moved past that point where it was European towards that point in time not necessarily when the um when the South Africans came or at least that's the argument I ran yeah I'm, a, I'm an old school romantic I'm sure the medal which people don't like me talking about because some people f- felt that I bought it for Saracens or they bought it and gave it to me um no it doesn't say Europe it says Champions Cup yeah, it does yeah yeah, yeah cha- I th- so when was it yeah I think they, they changed the name Heineken Champions Cup mm. um actually so I know it then they changed it in 2014-15 when Heineken stepped away from being title partner and they called it the Champions Cup. And they wanted to have sort of five brands underneath it and Heineken was one of those. And then they went back sort of four years later to Heineken coming in. So I think they made that call in 2014-2015. I, mm. I think it should be called Champions Cup Rugby because you kind of you need to tell people what it is also. But Well, that's the big thing in rugby. We need to tell people everything that's happening because it's all so confusing at the minute. It is a wee bit. And actually, I... I, I I watch a lot of Super Rugby as well, and I think there's a sort of different appreciation of where the game is in New Zealand, Australia, than there is in 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 the UK and France. I think if you ask a French person right now, um, you know how's how's the game doing in France? I think it's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, pretty yeah, it's going well. We've got Antoine Dupont, we've got this incredible team. They play incredible rugby. Sell out stadiums. Sell out stadiums. You know, got a World Cup in in France. It's going to be a huge success. The game's going to be amazing. Take a breath. Go and have a look at what the Kiwis are saying and John Kerwin is saying this morning. I know, I've and it's that. literally the opposite. It's literally the opposite. And so you've got two views of the same thing, effectively same game at least, at completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, and what we, you know, what world rugby, what you have to do now mm. is try and say, actually, who's right? You know, do we, you know, do we just say the game isn't broken? Yes, it is from a, from a player welfare point of view. We have to continue to do a lot more than we're doing now, although there is a lot more happening there. But from an entertainment point of view, is it okay or not? Because actually, we've had the best amount of rugby, uh, so the best amount of tries, sorry, most amount of tries scored. You know, we've had the, the smallest margins, best ball and play time in years, and all the stuff I just talked about, the French, you asked the PRL, quite honestly, everyone's saying on the pitch, the product's fantastic. I just, you know, that that sort of difference, of this, it's the same game played with the same laws 
is being seen really differently in, in New Zealand and Australia right now. Yeah, we just need to move forward with the times of like entertainment and the younger kids coming through. Like yeah. they just want to be told what. How old are your kids? How old are your kids? My lad's twelve, all over NBA. Albeit, albeit he's never seen a whole match, but he's all over <laughs> Steph Curry at the minute. It's the finals yeah. that are happening. Oh, could I give you an example which really wound me up about not about Steph Curry, but it included Steph Curry. Wound up's probably too strong, actually. I'm going to wind that back in. <laughs> I thought could have been done better. Uh, was Steph Curry had a, a photo call with Johnny Sexton. I don't know if you saw this, right? This is about a year ago. And Steph's uh, got his uh, Warriors uh, jersey on. Oh, not on. Yeah, he's got it. And he's giving it to Johnny. Johnny I've seen it on Instagram, Johnny's actually. giving him a number 10 Ireland shirt. I don't know. I'm not sure even it had a number on it, actually. But, you know, so it didn't have Sexton on the back and it certainly wasn't Leinster and Sexton. I thought that was just a missed opportunity because yeah. actually you're telling a whole audience in America that there is, you know, high performance athletes here and there's some linkage between these two things. But actually, communication wise, you're saying Curry, you know, his number, I've forgotten his number. And this guy over here is, well, he's not got a name on the back of his shirt. It's one of the best pro players that's ever played the game. And we haven't told people that story. A whole, whole kind of new market that we missed the opportunity on. And it's so simple. And it's I, so simple. That's where the frustrations have lied. And we were talking before we did the podcast. And I've been in this space for seven years. I've seen this hysteria growing. Mm. Mm. Loads of pushback mm. to the point now where everyone's talking about content. Everyone's talking about access. Everyone's talking about players driving yeah. forward the entertainment for the growth of the game i just don't know how we've 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 not clock, clocked on I, like, I, I, and, and that's yeah. a small thing that number thing is a small it's so the guy can go and stamp it in the change a player could go and stamp it in the changing room yeah. put the name on the back and yeah. that small thing is such a huge like that shirt will be somewhere in america somewhere <laughs> lying around it could be in a bar or whatever <laughs> Yeah, with and it hasn't got Sexton with back. Sexton number yeah. ten. There's yeah. a story around that, exactly. and exactly. as rugby grows and becomes yep. huge in the next ten years, that's there. Having said all that, though, they did, you know, they did accept Netflix cameras in their change rooms, right? They have put shirts in them. No, I mean, I'm with you. I think, I think, I think I've heard you talk about this previously. It's like, mm. Jesus, embarrassing. They're even talking about names being put on the back of shirts. Um, so that is happening, and and there is an there is an awareness that the players are in key part of communicating to a new audience to bring people in. Because I think you just said your son's into Steph Curry, right? You didn't say he was into the Golden State Warriors, exactly. So, and I, I use the same. My my kids are massively into football, and uh, I use this example a lot, but I think it's still relevant, right? Which is you know they go to a uh, I fill up in the petrol station. Come on, boys, come in. Got three boys, and they go and get a football a, pair, a packet of football cards, right? And that is a either Panini sticker card or a trading card. Football, Premier League, and Champions League, Euro League, uh, Europa League, and then next to it, and so I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of this, is a Formula One one, and then the hundred one, which is the cricket, and then the wrestling one. Where's the rugby one? Mm. Like, you know, it, and you, we expect, the game expects these kids to just get into it. You can't, you've got to like serve them with things which are interesting enough for them to take it into the playground, talk about it. And their, their, their ability to digest data is unreal. Like and then it transcends into FIFA, 
but we have no rugby game. So we're kind of missing out on a whole segment of a fan base. Yeah. Not because the sport's crap, but because we haven't talked to the to them in the right way at the right time. Exactly. And by talking to them doesn't mean they need to see 80 minutes of rugby no, and sit geez, there no. through scrum no. resets. No, and my boys are on YouTube. Are, you, are your course. kids on YouTube? Yeah, I mean, it's that's basically, it. The shorts. They're going through the shorts. It's, it's you know, and actually for us, it's YouTube kids mm. because they're under eight, right? You know, we're trying to, trying to limit that, which is a nightmare. Field, yeah. Absolute nightmare. My, my wife hates it, right? But actually... You know, this is this is going to be it now. Right? We have to be able to allow them on a platform which is, in some form, safeguarding them, right? And I think YouTube Kids probably does that. But so, what are they looking at? They're looking at F two freestylers, right? They're looking at football content created for YouTube Kids. Where's the rugby content created exactly. for YouTube Kids? There just isn't any. Yeah. So, well, just on that one specifically. So, this is one thing that we've been looking at with world rugby is how you engage the family so yeah the nfl did a brilliant activation with marvel okay yeah, um, yeah. and they overlaid it was for youtube and it was one cool. of the highest viewed pieces of content they had so it was 15 minutes and it was a roundup it might have not been the super bowl final but it was a big game yeah and it was 15 minutes on youtube and it was all overlaid like with splat and like kids animations cool. and graphics yeah. it, what i mean it wasn't a, a hugely expensive process yeah I don't know that for sure. <laughs> it might <laughs> have been. massively, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I put it on at home. 15, we don't watch NFL, yeah. even though I like NFL, because I watch all the, yeah. the, the big hits and the highlights and oh. all the, the glitz and the glamour around it. But yeah. then I put it on, and we watched it as a family for 15 minutes, and I said to my boss, and we both agreed, I was like, stuff like that is the way forward. Yeah. Like, how can we collaborate with Marvel or Fortnite, yeah. um, kids something or anything, mm and make rugby more consumable as a family, more palatable. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be the 80 minutes. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, like you mentioned football there. I've had to sit on this a while. So you look at Marcus Rashford, mm. and this isn't me being disrespectful. This is me respecting a guy who's done amazing things. My lad will say, oh, Marcus Rashford, Marcus Rashford, loves him. But you listen to Marcus Rashford speak. He's not a podcaster. Yeah. He's not stood there giving you loads of information, but he's accessible. Yeah. And this is... You know, you look at now the, the whole TikTok generation and how you become successful in the media, on social media and these things. You don't need to stand and do a podcast and no. deliver these amazing speeches. You just need to be there and be accessible. And authentic. And authentic and be yeah. yourself. Like yeah. Marcus Rashford is himself. He ain't going to stand there and start no. going into great detail about things. He's himself. Mm. And that's what we don't have in rugby at the minute. And you mentioned the Netflix yeah. doc. And... Yes, they have the access, but I just think we're we need to wait maybe two or three years for the older guard, like the Sextons, the Omanis, the Farrells, to finish, and then the next generation because they understand yeah. what is needed to grow the game of rugby, which is yeah. being yourself, yeah. being open to cameras coming in, being open to taking selfies and doing things that me and you probably wouldn't do because it's not yeah. our thing. But these lads are. I'm with, I'm with you. Yeah, actually, so towards the end of my, I won't call it a career, but towards the end of me playing rugby, I sh I, I shared a team with Will Collier, Max Laheef, um, and Joe Launchbury. And so, you know. And, what and, team was this? Give him a shout so out. It was Rosen Park at the time. Yeah, yeah. And so actually, I, and it's a completely different topic, but what's the role of Rosen Park in National One to where I played London Welsh in, in the Championship to the English system is significant, right? Because all these players came through that system in one shape or form. So that's, mm. that's a conversation for another time. But um, 
you know, Max is now like himself on a podcast, you know, like your own and just is himself, right? And so I think you're right. There, there are people that are more naturally attuned to that and, and want, to, want to give. And then the next generation of people see you and they see Max and they see others. And so they can visualize the fact that you guys are doing it. And so it's fine for them to do it. And that's why it's so impressive that you guys were pioneering in that because you didn't have anybody else to look at and say, well, that's what I should do. You did it and you trial and tested it and it's worked for you. Right. But now those guys have got you as a, te- as a test. Yeah. You've, you've already led the way, right? Yeah, so- and we're doing it in, in a more traditional way. And I say traditional, yeah. like as in podcasting is, yeah. is now different. Now it's becoming traditional. Now right. it's becoming amazing, traditional. Exactly like how, how it works. Quick, uh, amazing. Yeah. But you look like Ardy Surveyor, he does brilliant stuff on Instagram. Yeah. And a lot of that is around his training, um, behind the scenes, he's got a camera following him, which I think is quite cool. It's kind of yeah. the YouTube thing, but culturally, in, especially in New yeah. Zealand, it's a kind of no-no. I saw Caleb Clark. His mates does a, um, a lad who played in the NRL, I think. They've got like a fitness thing okay. on YouTube. It's yeah. amazing because you're watching Caleb Clark, who's built like Jonah Lomu, yeah. showing you how athletic he is. Like, yeah. we don't see Mac Hansen. We don't see Cheslin Colby. No. I don't see the training that Maru Atoji does, the power output, what Ellis Genge is doing. Yeah. Like, we don't see these Actually, things. I think uh, your new boss at, at World Rugby must have, I'm almost certain it was James. James um, Rothwell, big shout out. Shout out, which was, he was talking about a combine. Yeah. And what do we love about the NFL combine is somebody's running this unbelievable 40 you know, yard sprint or whatever, that, whatever the distance is, and then this vertical leap. And, I've always thought, and you know, clearly he thinks the same thing, which is actually rugby players, how do we stack up to that or not? Um, Stuart Lancaster um, did some time at the Atlanta Falcons after the Rugby World Cup 2015 and when he got the Leinster gig. And he just said, like, the natural talent that you get at one NFL franchise that doesn't make the cut, it really is a stand-up above where rugby was at the time. I'd love to see that. Why, mm. why, you know, can we... Can we can we see if that's true or not? It's happening. I say that. Hopefully, good. Because no, then, cr- yeah, them cross collaboration things where other sports have got it right. They've cross collaborated with what our kids are into, which is music, yeah, uh, food, lifestyle, training. Not our kids are necessarily into training, but like that demographic, yeah. these younger people coming through. Whether we like it or not, like the aesthetic look of how yeah, people yeah. look and dress, yeah, and that's where the NBA. Like, I, I you know, I watched the game the other day like it wasn't an easy game to consume it was like long mm-hmm. it was like quite repetitive yet a lot of people say that basketball is one of the greatest if not the greatest yeah. entertainment product of a sport on the planet it's just the way that it's packaged it's the way it's packaged like, i took my i took my now wife to uh watch a game at the madison square gardens and we saw um new york knicks versus orlando magic and dwight howard was on the magic and, but it was like up and down. Mm. And so what is like 98, 96, but that, that happens right at the end, obviously. Mm. But yeah, up to that point, it's just basket, 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 yeah. basket. But in between there was kiss cam, you know, all this, it's slightly cliched now, but you know, waving the big hand around, we're having a beer, we're having a hot dog, we're in kind of central New York. So afterwards we're going out. It just felt like that was, that was a show, right? The, 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 the actual game bit itself was part of an overall thing. And we don't, I don't think we ever want to get to the point where the rugby is just part of an overall thing necessarily, but I think we can do the off field bits way better. I think. So racing, uh, play out this covered stadium, don't they? I think it's defense yeah. arena. Um, and so I'd love to, 
I'd love to take my kids to that experience yeah. and say, actually, is this a better experience for you or not? Because half the problem with rugby is I can't convince my kids to come down on a cold Sunday morning to Seven Oaks Rugby Club to um, to play because it's cold. I mean, it literally is the cold yeah. that is stopping them. And the kids now, as we know, are a lot know. softer. Than, <laughs> not, not that we were hard as now, but we would, yeah. you'd be out on I, I, the streets, yeah, exactly. you'd be outside a lot more. Where, where, so your, your options are stay inside and watch YouTube kids or, you know, come down with dad to the rugby club and, and uh, get stuck in. And I, I think until they're a bit older, I'm not sure that wins. Yeah. I've always thought, you know, cricket do really well. They do this thing called the um, All-Stars cricket. So they give a rucksack and they give a hat and they give a ball and, you know, and, and it's encouraged. I think rugby could do a lot more of that to get the kids in earlier. And then ultimately, is it better to sort of, I don't know, do it when it's a bit warmer? Oh, don't get me started on I know, I summer know. rugby. Because I, I think you I think you could separate the two things. Like my kid doesn't need to play at the same time as, you know, Leicester Tigers mm. <laughs> as a season. I think I'd rather him learn about rugby in an environment where he's warming, wear a t-shirt and he can actually practice catching and passing and, and it's fun. Oh. We would grow the game exponentially, I think, if that happened. Yeah, genuinely, across the board. So what Martin and I are saying that you're not saying rugby as a whole, but I'm you're not saying, saying rugby as a whole. You man. won't say it, <laughs> but rugby for like the grassroots, which I agree needs to be in the summer. And I know that doesn't align with the Southern Hemisphere because obviously the opposite. But yeah. I agree for the participation and the enjoyment as a family. You go. The barbecue's on. You take a rugby ball. You take a football if you want. Yeah. You take. You, you're out there playing sport. Do I mean I, I've seen about this a lot. Do we do we just say okay, rugby as we know it, where you tackle? Well, obviously my kids don't tackle till they're ten, right? But do we just have a much cooler version of touch rugby that we play in the summer, mm. where they can play all summer long if they want to? Because football doesn't get hung up on it. My kids are at a six week football camp. You know, six weekends in a row now. Then there'll be another six week camp across the whole of summer. Mm. They don't get hung up on football is only a winter sport, do they? Yeah, you're not rolling. Yeah, <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird one. Like, but rugby then gets hung up on kids can't play during the summer. Well, they think because it's cricket, so the same kids yeah. that play rugby play cricket. There's that old fashioned. But that's quite old fashioned. Right? Yeah, it is. Go back to your school and your schooling. Did they play cricket? I, I don't think so. Mm. No, they did actually. Yeah, they did. Do they? Yeah, because a lot of the sporting lads they walked around there. The, I didn't play sport at school. I was a bit of a... What were you doing at school? <laughs> generally fighting. Yeah, I, really? I went to a rough school. Yeah, I went to a rough school but in it's, Coventry. It's, it, 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 was a, it was a positive thing for you, right? You found a sport that you could you could get that aggression out oh, in. And that's why, you know, I, I did a, a dinner at Ross High, Salt of the Earth Rugby Club in the outskirts of Edinburgh. Right. I found myself getting quite emotional because a lot of the lads in that room were similar to me how I was mm. as a young lad and I know rugby's going through this weird it's not a weird it has to go through this what it's going through at the minute to make the game safer but I feel like I'm beating an old drum here I've said it before I can't hate on the game I can't no. bite the hand that's fed me I, I can't do it because of what it gave, it gave me a life yeah. I, I think rugby saved my life Yeah, I genuinely do like what it gave me because my parents weren't there when I was growing up my dad was never there so I had no foundations yeah. of understanding values, teamship, and I was an aggressive kid just naturally. Yeah. Like I can see it in my son. He's similar to me genetically. 
Likes to tussle. Likes to tussle. Yeah. Is physical with his hands. You know, wants to win. Like he's got that aggressive streak, and there's nothing wrong with that. My God, jeez, I mean, opposite. I think we need to embrace it. Yeah. You know what? Uh, what boxing does, and what what other sports they and there are lots of, but it gives kids a way of sort of keeping that anger and that frustration and unleashing it in a certain area, which mm. is hopefully controlled. Yeah. So that that doesn't spill out elsewhere. But it is an obvious thing, isn't it? Like you yeah. go and you play sport and then if you add on the contact and the aggression that you need, you mm. need aggression, right, to play mm. rugby at a certain level. Obviously, there's a cutoff with younger kids, but at a certain level, yeah. well, I imagine when you were at senior, my lad goes to senior school next year, we play in rugby and I'd be saying to him, to make a, a tackle, mm -hmm. can you even say dominant tackle now at that level? I don't know. But to make a tackle, you're going to have to be aggressive. You're going to have to put step yourself forward. in there. You yeah. have to step forward. You're going to have to meet yeah. it. We, that, we, to, to your point around that, right? I think the terminology, I think all of us are sort of struggling with the terminology mm, now. Don't know what you can say. Because it used to be about, it. I don't know if you remember Mickey Skinner's video back in the day and bosh this and smash that. And, you know, he was dump tackling um, that French guy on the 1990 World Cup. You know, and if I look back on my own, why did I get into rugby? It's because I, I wanted to tackle somebody. Mm. I didn't, you know, I wasn't the fastest or anything. So I think you've got to still embrace that, haven't you? There is a societal change, though, where it has gone softer. It has. Like, that is a fact. Like, you look at it now. Like, it, it is. Even when you discipline your kids, you can't yeah. discipline your kids how no. we were disciplined or kids were disciplined back in the day. Arguably, you could say it's a nicer approach, yeah. but it's definitely a softer way of doing it. It's yeah. kind of... And again, this might... Other people... My wife's different. She understands that, whereas I'm a bit more, you know, God, a, a bit more aggressive. Well, yeah. I'm happy to say it. But at the sport, going back to it, like that rugby, yeah. the, the contact element to it, it's a leveller, right? And you go into a rugby club and all the things that happen in a rugby club that are, are so positive. Mm. But when you go out in the field, that kind of brotherhood, sisterhood now. Yeah. The sisterhood wasn't as big when I was younger, but it's definitely there now. Yeah, but that becoming, sure. And what I spoke about the rugby club was like that brotherhood that yeah. you, you, you're there and you're doing something that is difficult. Like not everyone can do that. Yeah. Not everyone can take a rugby field at any level and run into another human being or try and run over another human yeah. being or run round. A lot of lads can't run round yeah. because they're quite slow. So they've got, <laughs> they've got to run through. Yeah. And I think we've got to try and get to a point of, and your job is going to be difficult of managing the growth of the game and the safety element. And like, I look at the social media stuff mm -hmm. like on Instagram I don't see any big hits. I don't see any big collisions and stuff like that. If you went on YouTube and you typed in rugby, what's the what's the biggest viewed clip in rugby? It's big hits, isn't mm. it? And it's unfortunately it's fights as well. Yeah. You know, and so there's something that you just can't you can't just close that off and say that is no longer applicable to our game. I just don't. I just think that's too sort of broad a stroke to say that physical. Con you can say we've got to make it safer. And we're doing all the stuff about reducing tackle height and you know, the sanctions that are coming in the game to stop and change behaviours. Um, and we should do all that. And we should continue to do everything we're doing with hit IQ and prevent and all these what's called instrumented mouth guards where you've got players wearing um, uh, mouth guards with sensors in them so we can track all the data to say, actually, did you know when you were doing that drill, which is supposed to be non-contact, you were getting hit on the head, which they didn't know. Mm. So we, we should do all of that. We should continue to do all that.
we've got to make the game safer at the top end. But at the same time, the balance I think you're talking about, which I totally agree with, is you also can't make it vanilla. Mm. You've got to still make it something that people want to be passionate about. How hard is that to balance? Very hard. Because you're right. Yeah. We don't go out there and say United Rugby Championship big hits. I think because it was too... And, and actually, we removed an agency... I saw right? it, yeah. Who posted a clip which was just completely wrong. And so... So with that clip, just to clear yeah. clear up for the listeners who might not know, so I can't remember the game, but it was a, a, a big tackle that resulted in a, in a knockout. Con- in a concussion, yeah. Yeah, in a concussion, and it was sensationalised, and yeah. there was it stuff was, overlaid. Yeah, they, there was just stuff. Like they, I didn't mean, know, they, didn't, oh, they didn't know the game. No, did they, they didn't know the game, and that's sometimes where actually the game is growing off the field with investment and so on, and you bring in lots of agencies to give us new ideas, and you ask an agency to create content for you and you know this this is your world right which is but actually if you don't know the game and then you go and do that it's like hang on that is completely mm. contrary to what we're trying to do over yeah, here which is make the game safer um so that was just that was just wrong but there 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 must be an area where we can celebrate the physicality of the game still and right? that that is the hard bit i imagine for you yeah, because you you look at Ebenezer yeah, massive, massive human, yeah. and the way that he carries the ball with that violence yeah. when he carries, yeah. the violence and aggression that is in him, right? Yeah. And he's clearly a player that has channeled it through rugby to become one of the greatest players yeah. we've ever seen. Yeah, and you don't see a huge amount of you know like, like they do in other sports like UFC. I don't expect it to be like that, but mm. when Israel Adesanya knocks out Pereira. The yeah. other week, and it, there's yeah. all these memes made around it, and Pereira yeah. turns into glass and shatters on the floor, and then his soul gets lifted up yeah. into the heavenly much. sky. I know it, yeah. it is a little bit too much, but that is the stuff that goes viral. Yeah. That is growing the sport. People are seeing that. I don't think rugby should it's go like, down that route, but it's trying to find that yeah, balance because balance. it is very, very safe. And I know we have to go that route before we go forward, but yeah. it's very safe, very vanilla at the minute and I, I again just go back to the question uh, you're at the head of that how hard is it having the conversations with yeah. the unions and so many different people around to the get same, it right yeah to get it right mm. is it is it the hardest thing would you say i think it's the hardest yeah, thing yeah. i honestly think it's the hardest thing that we do is to try and celebrate a game which is a contact sport it's not a combat sport. I've heard that phrase but you before. It's a yeah. contact sport. It's also not contact evasion sport either. I don't think you know, there's parts of it. You know, to your point, you know, pro- probably if you look at the field, there are 80 people that are doing a contact sport and 20%, you know, 80% doing contact, 20% doing contact evasion. And that's just our sport. We can't, we can't change that. So... I, you're right, though. It, 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 that's the hardest thing that we do. We're trying to connect with an audience. We've had like tremendous growth in our social media because it looks a bit different and it feels a bit different. But we haven't. We we can't go. We can't cross that line until we know what the line is. Until we've made the game safer, I think that's really the critical thing. We got to, without shadow of a doubt, have made the game safer, and then now celebrate it. But we also got to talk the game up as well. Mm. I, mean, I think you know, our job is to make sure that it is a great game. You talked about going to a rugby club 
where it is hugely positive you're a positive role model for them they can see you and say actually i can do that with my life as well and i can do that through rugby and i can i can get a community in a rugby club which i can't find elsewhere there are whole swathes of this country that that doesn't exist well i think the the next generation of people coming through as well don't want negativity and at the minute we're hitting them with negativity mm. in rugby we're hitting them with the social media with the the, the tackles that are, are wrong decisions that the referees are making then you're highlighting the concussions and you're constantly feeding that engine feeding the narrative feeding the yeah. parents and as we know i'm not a psychologist but i imagine that that does feed into yeah. the point where you know if you're there on a sunday morning you'd be like ah you know what nah we'll we'll give mm. rugby a mess i think i think if we just make a decisive change uh so so children in football can't head of the ball decisive change you're not that is out of the game okay fine guess what my kids want ahead of the ball all the time because mm. <laughs> they see it in the pro game so yeah i think to make a change in the community game to reduce tackle height i think at some point you've got to look at that in the pro game as well because you know children will copy what they see on tv but once those changes are made and we say okay well we feel that the game is now safer we've got to celebrate the game I think going back to what we're talking about, not all out violence, aggression, big hits, and you can't, I, I use the boxing analogy quite a lot, but you can't because rugby isn't about knocking out no. another human, whereas boxing is, that, yeah, that's yeah. the aim of the game, effectively, where rugby's not that. Rugby's rugby. not that. Rugby's to score a try of and course. to score more points. And the beauty of the game, um, you know, someone like watching Christian Cullen run, mm. for me, is... Yeah, equally as special seeing Michael Jones have a turnover or the game evolving through George Smith and you know people people have broken the ground on the game continuously and we'll see that again in France it always seems to happen it comes you know comes through these big moments like a rugby world cup and we're going to get one in in France at the at, you know in October November time the game will evolve and it will get better and it will get to the point where you think actually yeah we can celebrate that I just hope we're bringing Australia and New Zealand with us and that's not something that we're seeing up here, but then they don't believe is true down there. Well, that's where we got started on this because through Wayne Smith's comments around yeah. the laws and how he turned off the game at halftime to watch an animal documentary. Big shout out to Wayne Smith. I trained with him in New Zealand back in the day, back when he was a proper rugby man and didn't turn off the TV. Well, he was but, watching Lions in Serengeti, wasn't he? Yeah, but, my, yeah. I'll, let him, I'll let him pass um, you off. That's all right. He's a hero, right? He is oh. one of those. So when he when he when he does talk like that, he, he has has impact. And well, we're talking about it now. We're talking about it now. And and I guess he's coaching the women's game, who have got you know a really good thing going, and it's it's great rugby. And there's less of that. I think there's less driven malls and less breakdown less issues. Less breakdown issues. I think um, Goldie was talking about like, hands over the ball, jackal, and you know, can you just put can you just push people over the ball and get rid of the jackaler? Those are big calls. I could see that. Yeah. I, could, I could see the jackal going, and it just yeah. becomes a counter rook. You still yeah, have a yeah. counter rook. And actually, in the in the laws of the game, you can kind of see actually does does it has it meant for it to turn into a jackal or mm. not? You know, uh, when you talk to uh, Phil Davies at World Rugby, you know they, they are looking at that because it's it's the one area of the game which is one everybody's trying to jack all the time and two there's quite a lot of quite horrible injuries I remember Sanatla if you remember here uh, he dislocated yep. his shoulder and hurt his neck and you know it's just there are some bad looking challenges in a in a 
in a jackler situation but here's one for you and this is your new boss that did this uh, research when people were sort of um, hooked up to various sensors and they asked to watch the game one of the key elements that people enjoyed just just uh, from from the heart rate monitor going up was a turnover mm. was a jackal the counter attack oh, what was it was specifically it was a jackal. jackal or was it yeah it's like a line break people like scrums as well right but they don't like resets mm. so I think you know there's a certain amount we have to look at data and think right that's you know, useful uh, and there's some others who think okay let's forget about that and, and move on with our, with, with our view of how the game should develop I, but there was one thing in that I'm thinking scrum because actually if you go back to what some of the Aussies and Kiwis are saying is they almost want to re- remove that as a set piece mm. and that's that creates space yeah we want more space don't we mm. so i think the sort of unintended consequences of making one change and leading to another is re- it's really difficult to get right yeah i think craig doyle said just keep it how it is we just need to make the laws clearer mm. and i think just to the mm. casual fan in stadium yeah maybe the urc can lead on that because you've been leading on the music and the experience yeah. and the in-ground stuff yeah um, actually we trialed that i say we the, the royal way i think it was curry cup actually but mm. in south africa where the the um referee and the tmo is on the loud speaker i enjoy that yeah yeah i it was think actually it, really it, it interactive yeah so you get it at home but you don't get it in the stadium mm. and technology will help with that a lot because you'll get apps now which which will be able to off the wi-fi system in the stadium be able to give you real-time low super low latency interaction with the game and that's the biggest problem with sort of you know voting on a man and match in the stadium or that kind of thing on your on your phone is it just takes about you know 10 seconds or something to get to your phone yeah of course so that delay makes it completely irrelevant but if you get super low latency you can have people engaging and looking at at decisions on their phone as well which is quite cool because sometimes the big screens are quite far away Mm. so on australia new zealand on that point when you look at the top table of rugby and there's all the talk around the need to globalise the season, does the Champion Cup still have a place with the way that rugby looks at the minute? Who Who's at the top table here? Like, Who would you say the big player? Is it the Sandar, the South Africa, New Zealand, Australia? Yeah. And who else? Yeah. No, so yeah. I, to, to, tomorrow is a good example of that. Actually, we'll meet in Heathrow and there'll be Sandar, which is um, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand... Uh, and South Africa, do I say South Africa? Mm. Um, and then Six Nations, obviously, and then all of the leagues. And that's the first time it's really happened where you've got the leagues represented at World Rugby um, committee level. It's, u- it's usually the unions that are represented there. Um, so there's a lot of stakeholders. Who, who leads that? So you say they're there. Who, they're, who, who, I would they? say that is World Rugby. Uh, led so Alan Gilpin the CEO um, who's great by the way who's great yeah actually I I, I took over from Alan when I was at IMG mm. so I'm, he was a lawyer at IMG and I replaced him as a lawyer at IMG so I've known Alan for a long time and he's doing some really good stuff actually mm. so, um, so he'll take it he'll, he'll sort of lead it I'd say if it's not you know you've got very um, you've got Tom Harrison that's come into Six Nations he was at ECB Cricket really experienced guy um so from a kind of i guess a, a northern hemisphere unions point of view tom's really important to that as well 
And will there be like questions or will it, because surely something needs to move in a direction quite quickly in terms of yeah. the calendar, how it's populated. Is this that, is about a global season, you're right. Is it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, what would usually happen is they would take all of our input and we normally take that through EPCR. EPCR, for those that don't know, is um, the company that runs the Heineken Champions Cup and the mm. Challenge Cup. And that is owned uh, one third by the URC, one third by the Premiership Rugby, and one third by the top fourteen LNR. Our chair of that, Don Mackay, will will be very important in those discussions. He'll sort of try and gather all the the league views on on Regulation Nine and things like that. Yeah, and uh, it's a big it's a big old negotiation. Yeah, geez, but. I think it. I think someone said it was twelve years ago. They did something at Woking before I was involved. Then when I got in, I went to San Francisco and to the San Francisco agreement. This is now the next iteration of that, and no one's happy with it. Mm. <laughs> so you know, it's been twelve years in, in discussion, and um, I try and I try not get frustrated with it. I'm trying to sort of say, is there ever going to be a perfect model? Because what angle are you coming at for perfect? Are you coming at it from um, a club angle or from a union angle or you, you know is that a tier one union or a tier two union it's like sheesh it is hard throw into the mix that the season's the wrong way around for Australia and New Zealand um, surely that's an easy fix so not. I think that could be you know you could what you could have is is a movement to align those international windows m more exactly because yeah. at the moment for example got rugby championship that plays at the beginning of our season mm nightmare because we've got South African players in our competition and Argent Argentine players as well so mm, that's not great and it's not great that you've got a Rugby World Cup every four years literally at the beginning of our season Six Nations is so big that I just think everyone's sort of like just leave it where it is mm -hmm. culturally it's it's a it's a thing isn't it it's a societal thing almost yeah. you know Six Nations is, well, always, so is one of the big successes of rugby if not the biggest huge. outside of the World Cup and the yeah. Lions yeah and you know, well, through through um, Six Nations, what you get is twenty million people. Twenty million people watch more than fifteen minutes of rugby throughout a period. Fifteen minutes is a big metric for its fandom. The usual metric is fifteen seconds. So you know, people watch fifteen minutes of rugby. Twenty million people across the UK and Ireland and France. That's a lot of people. So rugby is actually it. It is bigger than it sells itself as. It's just very fragmented. Fragmented is yeah. is the word, isn't it? Because you jump from a Six Nations into a club competition, then into the Champions Cup, then back into a club competition, but some of them are being played at the same time yeah. as the Champions Cup and the women's Six Nations on the same time that yeah. some of the club games are on. Yeah. I, what I would, what I, would you like to see? I mean, what, what you would like to see... Let me just hear that. What would you like to see? What would I like? I'd like to see it where it's completely clear. Yeah. So as a fan, and I could sit there and just say to the, the family, bang, this is what's happening. The Six Nations yeah. is on for the next six, seven weeks. Yeah. However that looks. Well, how would you start the season? I would start the sixth season. How would I start the season? I would start the season with a club competition. Okay. However that looks. So, but then that I'm contradicting myself because it, that means it'd have to be in the winter. Whereas I think rugby should be in the summer. Okay. Summer where? Because if you globalise the season, yeah. then it's going to be in the winter somewhere. Yeah. So I've not got my head around that. I think you need to start off with a club season. Yeah. So you could have the URC, you could have the Premiership. Let's use up here. We can talk about France another time because yeah. they do their own thing. They do it well. So the Premiership and the URC 
at the front end. Yeah. Which would then mean you have to move the Six Nations. You could have the Six Nations then straight after that yeah. while the championship is on. Okay. At that same time. So there is a kind of a line calendar and then you come into either the Europe uh, either the Champions Cup or you come into the knockout stages of the Premiership. So yeah. you've got clear points nice. where with the Premiership and the URC, the coaches get to pick the best players, yeah. you get to see the best players on show. Like they're getting back to complete fitness off the back of a pre-season to their very best to then headline themselves in a big tournament. So you get to see the very best players as a model. Obviously, that means you can't have as many games, home and away games. Yeah. Yeah, then you have a Six Nations or a big international tournament, and then you have the knockout stages of individual ones, and you keep it that, that streamlined. And then you have a summer or a winter tour, yeah. however that it looks. And then you have a longer period in my opinion, being in the Northern Hemisphere, you have a longer period break yeah. where it's miserable, but it's Christmas. And you've got all these things. You've got the, the football is, yeah. is on around that time. And then you come back in yeah. to the, the new year. I think there needs to be less games as well. I just, I think, I, get, I know the premiership's different, but the lack of jeopardy. But with the URC as well, it just feels like there's just like, there's just too much to consume. Where you yeah. just make it really short and sharp but then the model comes mm. out of sync because of the commerciality of ticket sales and TV deals and stuff can I throw thing, some things at yes. you because I'm, I'm going to name check and Bill Sweeney says something very similar right who's the RFU CEO can you, ha can you have a kind of narrative where it goes club season best players then get selected we're not going to change Six Nations we've got to embrace that and 20 million people and then and then you run a cup competition or you run the cups and the playoffs you know he said something very similar to mm. that right which is which is great because I, I think I'm in that camp then it boils down to sort of how many games you play in a season and when and I'm just giving you some examples of why it's fallen down in the past not not you know, I'm not saying these are all good reasons but some of the reasons the clubs say, well, actually, we need to play more games than that because what you're giving me, Martin, is URC. I need more money. So I'm mm. going to need to play two more home games every year to make more money. Um, and the international guys are saying, actually, I, I need to add another round in the Nations Cup or the, the, a new cup competition. Sorry. Um, and and so what you get back down to is how many play, how many times a player can play in a season at the top end and are you running the global calendar for the top end or the mid end or the bottom end mm. <laughs> you know what I mean um, And I, but I think you're right I think there's, a, there's a better narrative that w we can create as a game than what we've got at the moment yeah I, I think having them down periods as well for people to breathe for the yeah. players to, to breathe as well yeah and then therefore I don't think there'd be and I chat to the players a, a lot and the coaches and they're running on empty once they get to the business end of the season, yeah. unless you've got a great squad like Leinster, and we can yeah. get onto them, but if it, Leinster being the complete anomaly in yeah. all this, the, the, you get to the yeah. back I think end they of the are, season. They are the anomaly, aren't they? But yeah, so we get to back end of the season and you, you want the players to be at their very top. And Munster at the weekend lost five of their you know, best players yeah. to a very, very strong Glasgow team. And you kind of go, oh, was that? Is that just by chance, or is that because they're playing at that point of the season? Mm. You know, you, you ask yourself these. I ask myself these questions. Um, you want the best players playing um, in the big games, and then 
I'm going to answer the question on top of the answer that I've given you before. And this is where I think the investment needs to come in and come in quick. It's a one-stop shop mm. to consume our sport. And I might be wrong, but it was back in the day. But like NBA, NFL, UFC in the US, you get like a pass, right? So you pay M NFL pass, NBA pass, UFC pass. And that was rugby pass's model in Asia. Yeah. Whereas you pay a £40 a month subscription, you lose yeah. that number. It could be £100, whatever it is. And you know by subscribing to that, you're going to get access to every rugby game. I'm a smart enough person in the world of media, and I have to. There's a a Twitter page that I follow that gives the outline of the games and where they are. Where they are, yeah. And I have to go looking for them. I still can't find them. Yeah. So I just think that is crazy because you've got. I'm just for the listeners; they'll know it, and obviously you know it. You've got Viaplay, which is a great platform for the yeah. URC because they show every game. So that, yeah. that's a really great part to what they do. But then across that, you've got BT Sport, which mm -hmm. is now being moved across to TNT, to TNT which yeah. is Discovery. Yeah, You've got ITV for the Six Nations and a bit of Prem. You've got BBC for the Six Nations. Sky Sports do the Lions and some of the su tests, summer yeah. tours as well. Amazon. The Amazon Prime yeah. Video do the Autumn Nation series. So if you're a casual rugby fan, again, it comes back to the point of going out there on a Sunday afternoon, you'd be like, you know what, fuck, I'll just watch yeah. YouTube. Like I, just, I cannot get my head around how someone or a yeah. CVC with investment, I keep talking about CVC. That's Should we talk it. about nice CVC? Segue. Yeah, we will do. <laughs> yeah. But how someone hasn't come in and said, this is what it needs, because then the whole game becomes so much easier to consume yeah both on everything all the podcasts yeah. could live there all the ed editorial all the behind the scenes it's like rugby pass effectively that's what we wanted yeah. that to be that was the dream i think it's an impossible no i don't impossible. think it's, i don't think it's impossible I, I, well it seems impossible oh, at the now. moment it's impossible I, 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 because it's, it's so fragmented so fragmented yeah. but it needs someone to come in yeah, and yeah. just Sorry. mop it up yeah yeah you're right i pay about 150 quid a month to watch the game i absolutely love mm. how many people are going to do that can you can you streamline that and actually one of the things I, maybe your listeners know or don't know but I, I sit in an office with Six Nations so URC sits in the same office as Six Nations and Premiership Rugby and then through that we have you know obviously EPCR which I explained earlier is the is the joint venture between us and the and the Premiership and the top 14 and so you know quite often you'll have discussions about um what should we all do together? You know, we should definitely all have the same website provider. We should definitely have all the same app provider. We should do all of that plumbing, right? Because that's just a cost bit. And then on the business end, let's get on the same platform. And internationally, that makes loads mm. of sense, right? And to almost, we we will do that. We will have an international um, platform. Domestically, and I say domestically, I mean the UK and Ireland in this, in this instance, um, the money that comes in from the broadcasters at the moment is just more than we could generate or at least perceive to generate setting up our own platform. And that's what hasn't happened yet. Mm. But your point is bang on, right? It, it, just give one one platform for people to get behind and we will grow. We will grow the audience. I think you still need an element of... Um, wider exposure mm. as well and you need sort of cross promotion and for us we get that through the BBC and we get you know and, and Simon Matthew Taylor from Premiership gets that from ITV and that's but that's a marketing thing really mm. that's, that's trying to tell the story as many people as possible 
and drive them back down this funnel, this marketing funnel, back down to the point where you're convincing someone to put 50 quid a month in and getting it all. So I think there are a lot of people that say, think of the same way as you do about that, and I'm and I'm one of them. Um, it's a question of when you can do that, and I think I think you do. We we've got a streaming platform, an award-winning streaming platform uh, with RTE. It's a joint venture, and that works so well because they're the experts from a broadcast point of view. We're learning day in day out how to become more of a consumer platform, and it works. Right, it's it's, it's doing really really well for us, but. At the same time, we know that the value of in the future will be all rugby coming together. Us, Sanzar, need, we think, should be on the same platform. And internationally, no question that can happen, you know, within the next cycle. Um, domestically, though, it's a bit trickier because of the money. We'll draw a line under this now. Do you think that'll happen? Do you think off the back of these meetings that are, that are happening... And it feels like there's a huge momentum gathering now and a desperation, it's a big word, desperation that there needs to be a shift around how it looks. Do you think in the next year, two years, uh, something's so, coming? Yeah, we've got two years left on our deal, Premier another year you know, or a year away, EPCR's the same, Six Nations is two years away, whatever it is. So there, there are lots of points where you could, this could happen. Um, and there are lots of you know, really positive discussions with the main broadcasters around around the world to say, get behind rugby. It's a great sport, you know. But but invest in it because that's what it does need. Uh, and then that comes back down to how do we make the game more sustainable at all, at all levels? If it's on one platform, it becomes more sustainable immediately. I think. What about a line in the season? It helps line season as well because mm. if you've got if you've got a major broadcaster who's sort of pushing in a certain direction and getting behind it, then it kind of sharpens everybody's minds to get that done. Yeah. Um, how do you manoeuvre to that point where you get, you, you bring that to fruition? It feels like maybe that's happening because the wheels are falling off in certain parts sometimes, of the game. Sometimes you need yeah. urgent, yeah, urgency comes from that sort of crisis, doesn't yeah. it? We took that out of COVID. Like we just, we had to, act and the four South African teams came into our competition and we've it's made us a way more robust competition and a better one for it but we were open to change at that point we need, but we also then needed to change and it was a little combination of those two things that we sort of we struck whilst the um, iron was hot well that's the big success story of the URC and f looking at the adaptability that you've got and some of the Rumours that are rumbling. Okay. Give me some, give me some rumours. English teams joining. Oh, gosh. Right. Okay. So English teams join like an Ealing that marry up with a, a Welsh region. Right. So with everything that's happening in the Prem, now we've lost two teams. Talk of a third. London Irish seem to be okay. Newcastle don't seem that keen at all. Would the URC be open to have an English team? I think it would have to make sense for everybody. It would have to make sense for... Premiership for the RFU for are you you know are you are, are for for your listeners that don't know our competition is owned by the unions of Wales Scotland Ireland South Africa and Italy anyone else or is that that's it? it that's it that's it it's <laughs> quite a few there yeah and I didn't uh, know whether there was like any outside no like, no and so investment. oh and CVC are a co-owner in that as well so, so they own a percentage yeah, of yeah. that with CVC the unions. plus the unions okay own our business sorry I was I thought you meant other unions mm. um. And and we've been very sort of ambitious 
And some would say it will sort of, I guess, characterise me as being pushy to get there quicker. And that's because when I took over the business, it was making £10 million a year. So it's now making four times that. And you think, well, actually, if we weren't pushy, if we weren't like really, really clear about where the competition should go, it would have remained at around £10 million a year. You know, what? who's right? I don't know. I mean, but for me, to keep going, we need to keep going. And we've looked at markets like South Africa and we want to make that even stronger market. If the opportunity came up in the UK market, which we are part of already in Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, that would have to be done where it rises all ships, I think. we can't. I don't think we could come in and just um, do it without everybody thinking it was a good idea. The whispers, though? Are you hearing the whispers? Yeah. 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 Can you yeah. see why they'd want to? Yeah. I, 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 I'm yeah. not too sure you can. Because I'm looking at I'm like, I don't know. Again, the traditionalist in me spent years in the Prem. I was like, I, how would that fit to see a, yeah, good question. a team come in? If it was an Ealing or something like that, you could because they've not been at the... Good question. I think if... In the top league. If Prem, if Prem want to close, I'm not saying they do want to close, but if they do want to close, are there opportunities at that point? I think what I always said is we will be open to opportunities and that doesn't make us desperate it just makes us sort of businessmen well now I think the URC you hold the you, you hold the keys I don't there's no desperate like that goes back to the initial thing that I said it feels like there's a real kind of balance mm. and it feels the URC feels settled when you look at the premiership I'd I'd Disastrous is a big word, but it, it, it's amazing in six months mm. how something can change. Someone sent me a link, actually. I think it might have been on Rugby Pass from 2017. And the article was effectively, you know, wheels are falling off, attendance down, nightmare, nightmare. It was talking about the LNR. It was talking about the top 14. Mm. That was 2017. So, you know, I, you know, these come in cycles, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And, and, I think very, very highly of the Premiership, very highly of Simon Master-Taylor. I think he's done an amazing job. And he just he just needs some stability. And that's what I think it's what he's going to get. I personally, this is a very personal view, not a ULC view or anything like that, I personally love to see a professional club in the southeast where I am. I'd love to see a professional club in the east. I know Cambridge are up into the Championship now. And I want to see because I played for Otley in one of my and, and Leeds Tykes back in the day. I want to see Yorkshire. So like regional. I just I just think there's enough rugby played in those parts of the country with the right sort of structure to bring them through um, that you'll get a much more geographically spread set of teams in in England than we have today. I agree with that, and I think you could make brands out of them as well. Yeah. Do you remember back in the day? Actually, I'm not, I don't know where I heard this, but it was. You'd have your club rugby, and then you have your divisional rugby, and then you'd have England rugby. Mm. And I can't—I don't know how many games you played at each level. Effectively, what they did in Ireland, they took the club out and they put divisional in mm. straight away. And I don't know whether that would have worked in England or not. It's too late to tell. But in Ireland, it's worked because it's a small country, really, and therefore they were able to streamline the processes, bring players through, uh, and clearly it's worked very well. Part of me is that I would have loved to have seen a London South East team and a North team and a Midlands team and a mm. South West team, which is the old traditional uh, regional regional games. But 
I don't know if I'm just looking back at that with sort of rose tinted spectacles. Or yeah, it's. I mean, the stuff around Sale and Newcastle, the team of the north. I reckon if you would have said 18 months ago, I think Sale would have been all over it. They probably would have been keen. <laughs> I, I think you need both. I, I, I'd say you. You know, there's probably a role for both. There's not in terms of the amount of games, but in terms of like the levels. You need a club because you need a connection to a, to a town or a city or a community. But they so you, could be smaller. You can have you can have smaller, yes. more integrated clubs to the fabric of that society, and that's why you need Newcastle. Mm. That's why you need teams in Yorkshire. You can't just say we can play at a semi semi pro level and that's it. You know, I think you've got to still keep that aspiration to play at the very top level. But really, really hyper focused on a on a on a town that can get behind them. Yeah, I think if you have that, and you can have that, and there is that, you look at the resurgence of Bath as well. You could feed then into a region, mm. and then the regions could join the URC, and then you've got this <laughs> oh, Super yeesh. League. You know, because that's what it's like. Edinburgh, you're, you're wasted at World Rugby. I know, I am. I am. Bring me across. <laughs> I'm all over the URC at the minute. Uh, clear up a couple of things. CVC, everything gets thrown around that. I've mentioned that. I've got no idea what I'm talking about. I've got a mate who's involved in it who sends me a load of information which I can't even understand. But with your law background, I'm yeah. sure this is more your world. So CVC, why have they invested in rugby? Yeah. Has it come to fruition? Did COVID block that? And have they got appetite to go even further in? Yeah, 100%. I mean, so the... CBC guys are um, the, the, well. Our chairman Nick Clary is CBC. Um, very active, but also very sort of keen to allow managers to manage. They're investors. And then they're keen to help us, and they'll grow our network and introduce us to people like Liga and make sure that we're introduced to the right people all the broadcasters and you know what I mean they are the right people to be there the right people 100% okay. to be there they've got the right time frame they've invested you know all, all of our growth on social media all of our growth through you know digital views I think it's up 130 odd percent uh, we're going to go through a million followers on 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 social media platforms we couldn't have done that with their investment We've invested in the content. We've invested in the platforms. We created a, a data, um, a piece of work where we aggregated all the data from the different unions and the different clubs and effectively deduplicated all this data. So if, if you and I are on three different databases, it actually recognizes that. So we're, we're then two people, right? One person. And where we couldn't have done any of that, we couldn't have been that sophisticated to go back to our broadcasters and say we're actually worth this now because we've got all this data unless CVC gave us the investment capital and the know-how and the support to do it it just would have taken 10 20 years so i think they've just helped us accelerate through that growth growth phase they've also sort of cut through a lot of the crap i think that you get with governance and everything else they they create a much more kind of equitable system where you do things for the right reason but ultimately, they don't want to change the game. They want us to tell them how the game should be developed and improved. They want us to tell them how the business is going to be improved and they'll help us along that journey. So I think they're exactly the right people. Are people expecting too much from them in terms of wanting someone to come out and speak on behalf of CBC? They don't, they, they, they don't do that. You know, and I think actually that's a good thing, right? Because they want 
they want the talking to be done by us, by the players, by the coaches, by the um, by the people who are sort of involved with actually driving the and the business forward and managing the business for them. They are literally the investors to help us do that and to do it quicker. Um, so you know they wouldn't they wouldn't talk on behalf of the Gujarat Titans, which they own in the IPL. Um, they don't they didn't do that in Formula One mm. even right. Um, they didn't do that when they own MotoGP. Um, so you know they are the best people for right now because they know what the sport needs to develop and they're, they're helping us get there but they're doing it in a really kind of allow us to manage it sort of way and I guess until <laughs> we stop managing it very well for them or we stop actually tracking progress in the, quite the same way um, that will continue one other thing yeah was around the salary cap and yeah I, I, it's easy to spitball around this You've kind of answered it because you've said that the URC is effectively owned by the unions yeah, and then they have control of the players. You look at what happened in the Premiership, as we know, its own identity, the RFU, didn't really have a say on that and it spiralled out of control. But the big conversation is always around Leinster. And yeah. when you came on the rugby pod, I know I pushed you on that. I don't know if you're more comfortable to talk about yeah. salary caps and, and how that looks, because it is the thing. You look at Leinster's team yeah. and we take a bit of hate online, but it's an obvious statement. You look at the quality of players mm. that they've got in terms of how much they must spend. But then on the flip side of that, when I interviewed Marco Masotti yeah. over in New York, the owner of the Natal Sharks, he said that, the salary cap for there was a lot lower. It was 3.6, 3.8 million. I don't, are you even across them? Does, does yeah. that even matter to you? I mean, mm. is that is this no, a thing? It doesn't matter because actually, so what, what we don't, for your, for your listeners again, we don't have a, um, a league-wide salary cap because we, we operate across different uh, jurisdictions and different currencies and different costs of living. And, and so you could have a weighted you could have a weighted version, but we just have, have chosen not to do that. And one of the reasons is because the unions own us. And so their rationale for investing in these teams is slightly different to a private individual. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to answer that question. But w- one thing around a salary cap, there's, I, there's, two, there's two reasons, I think, really, why you have a salary cap. One is a sporting equity one, right? You're trying to say, I, you, I don't want you to beat me because you can spend more. I want you to beat me because you're better at recruitment or you're better at developing talent or you're better at, better at, better at, but not money. Mm. And if I check out the two American sports that do completely the opposite, <laughs> the NFL do that. The NFL actually say, and they had this sort of presence of mind back in the 70s to say, if I'm the New York Giants and you're the Green Bay Packers and you're owned by the people of Wisconsin and I'm owned by one of the richest men that America's ever had, to make this league worth more, uh, I need you to be able to beat me now and again, mm. now and again, right? Not every year like the backers did, but, um, and so they created a system where actually not only did, are you not allowed to spend more than me? Cause it's a salary cap. They spent less than the, the league was willing, was able to give them. And then they said to the New York giants, you then have to put 25% of your home gate into the pot and share that with green Bay Packers. Cause they're smaller than you. Mm. So the whole system of a salary cap, is one is financial regulation and stability, but the, actually the other one is about sporting integrity and about sporting equity. And that's a really complicated world because it is not one dimensional. You can't say the salary cap will be the only, 
only way of solving that issue because the American the NFL have that, but the NBA, sorry, the NBA do, the MLB doesn't. So you have the Red Sox on 250 million and Oakland A's until they move to Vegas on 25 million or something. And guess who wins all the time? Mm. You know, so I think that's the reasons why you do it. The challenges that we've got are really around the union piece but also about the territories because a salary cap in South Africa actually is completely different to the salary cap in, in Ireland and the other bit for me is actually if there is a salary cap it should ju- it should apply across the common denominator which is actually European competition that, that's the one where we should have a salary cap well that's the debate apply. now isn't it that's what everyone's talking because of the French that actually then makes sense right? Mm. because at the moment if you create a salary cap over here but not over here people just move, just move around but with that there then you'll have the complete transparency of the teams that want to invest a lot Saracens back in the day say they wanted to invest 10 million and the salary cap for the Champions Cup was say 12 or yeah. 15 then that way there'd be complete transparency of the teams that want to invest and, uh, I, th- I think you've hit on across the, the best point for not having it mm. or you, for, for it being a difficult one because the people who are investing in those teams are doing it for different reasons the the reason why Nigel maybe was investing in his team and the U was maybe a different reason to the one that the owner of London Irish was doing it right. Who is, isn't that all sports owners though or team owners uh, in the in the US tends to not be. Well, I mean, it's changing now with private equity coming in, but tends to be quite similar individuals who own the teams and they own them in in the NFL, for example, they own them in a very structured way and actually. They're in, a, they're in a franchise. They don't actually own the team outright, outright. And they, it's anything to do with that franchise. They've got to go and get the other owners to sign it off, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other owners can actually force them to sell. Yeah, I think that is our biggest issue, actually, just trying to get a standardised approach where the ownership of each team and the reasons why they, they invest into these teams are different. And who's right? By the way, who's right? Who is is the RFU right because they've invested and they want to keep their Irish players in Ireland because they're not spending all that money on... 10 imports spending it to keep people in Ireland to play for Leinster and then hopefully for oh, that's Ireland. A, it's a positive. That's a positive, I, isn't it? Absolutely. You're investing in your academy yeah. that's come to fruition and therefore you've done the hard yards and you're rewarding the mm. loyalty. I mean, I, again, we are going over old ground here. I'm conscious <laughs> of the time as well because we've been going for nearly 80 minutes, I think. That's crazy. It's a rugby game. Absolutely. So just lastly then, it's a dream scenario. So the URC is growing. We can see that. It's great to be able to go through some of the kind of the business and the back end of it and some of the troubles that has had into this point. Like realistically, like is it about just making the product better, simplifying it? Yeah, or is it just keep keep it on a a steady, even keel as well? Like Mm. it's had a lot of change. And can you just keep, can we just keep building it? Um, can teams compete with Leinster as well? Because, you know, that is that is something where if you look at the Bundesliga and Bayern Munich have won it 10 years in a row, you know, you need people challenging your best teams and beating them. Um, so I think seeing that come to come off over the next few years, not just the South African teams. I was going to say, I want, is it, is I it want the South Glasgow African to teams? do well. Yeah. Uh, not just Glasgow, do you know what I mean? But I want everybody else well, to Glasgow do well. Did, did they're well the sort of challenges. They're, yeah. the, they're the next ones. And then in Wales, I you know I, I think they're moving in the right direction. I'm not as close to it as as I was previously. I, I'm we're in that kind of frame of mind where we're saying actually the people who who are going to do the best for the Welsh Rugby Union 
other people there now. Uh, they've got to bring a new CEO in. They've got to new, bring a new finance director in. They've got to bring a new chairman in or chairperson in. Uh, so it's quite a lot of change. But once those people are in, the raw ingredients in Wales are there and they will always, I say always, you can't always say that, but are still there. And they and there's the the raw ingredients to make a very, very competitive team or two. Um, and we only need one or two that are competitive. Mm-hmm. And then that can go on cycles. We see that in South Africa all the time. You know, not, not all four teams are competitive at once. You don't really expect that. But you expect a cycle of teams being competitive and, and not always at the bottom. Well, it's great that they've, well, they, the teams have got the foundations of the URC now yeah. to work with. So the structure of that is healthy. Martin and I absolutely loved much. it. We've could no. have gone. We'll do a part two at some <laughs> well, point. Maybe next year. See next where we're year. at. Yeah, seriously. When Glasgow are champions. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Oh, I'll be class. I can't yeah, say. Yeah. I can't say it just yet. Just yet. I Big think. Al Kellogg. Yeah, he'd be very happy. He's lost Was, all his you... hair. I played with him. Played yeah, with him. yeah, yeah. 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 And fought with him many times. If you go on YouTube, which is you mentioned I'm the fights go on earlier, now. Yeah, I, uh, a yeah. lot of fights on there. He didn't feature. <laughs> maybe featured on one of them. Yeah, Martin, lovely. Pleasure. Thank you so much, Thanks, sir. Jim. Thank you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.